Hey, it's Jordan. We'll open up the Chill Factory in about 10 seconds. Do you have the Chill Factory app yet? It's a great way to relax between episodes and all the time. Stay tuned to the end of this episode, and I'll give you a password so that you and 25 other listeners can use all of the Chill Factory app's features for free. But if you focus on the opportunities that you had to really contribute something that was unique and connected to who you are, you're going to have this positive attitude and positive approach to what you do. Welcome to The Chill Factory, where we make work, school, relationships, and life less stressful. I'm Jordan Friedman. Be Yourself, It's Better for Your Health was episode three way back when we first started the Chill Factory podcast, and it remains one of our most listened to episodes. I think one of the reasons for that is that a lot of people would like to be themselves more of the time, but find it difficult, especially at work. The other reason is that my guest, the guru of personal branding, William Aruda, is a passionate cheerleader for being yourself so that you can be better and happier at whatever it is you do. This episode is more of that original conversation I had with William. It's a pep talk and guide for starting or continuing to be yourself more of the time so that you can be happier at work. William Arruda has been speaking about personal branding longer than anyone else on earth. He founded Reach Personal Branding 20 years ago, and he speaks on the topic of digital and personal branding to audiences all over the world, online and in person. He's a senior Forbes contributor, and William is the author of best-selling books on personal branding, including Career Distinction, Ditch Dare Do, and Digital You. William, what does being yourself mean in a professional context? Being yourself is giving yourself permission to not fit in, to not conform, to take the things that make you unique and interesting and compelling and valuable and making them visible to the people around you. The first step in the personal branding process is all about self-reflection. It's really about thinking about who are you, uh, what makes you great, and why should people care? So you focus on things like your values, uh, because when you can align your values with what you do and how you do it, you're energized and you're motivated. It's about your superpowers. What do you do better than anyone else? And how do you give yourself permission to bring those superpowers to every single task that you do at work every day? Uh, it's about your differentiators, the thing that things that make you stand out, whether or not they're relevant to the job that you have, right? You might work in the English language all day, but you speak five languages. That's interesting. That's differentiating, bringing that to work, right? So it, it's a lot of self-reflection to figure out who you are, what's important to you, um, how do you like to do what you do, and then to rethink you know, your every day and ask yourself, how do I integrate more of me into all of this? It's also true that it can be stressful and scary to be yourself, not because you're embarrassed about who you are or what you're, you like or what your interests are, but because you might feel rejected. You might get rejected. You, you might be embarrassed because of just the other gunk in people's heads. How do you push through that? 
Well, you know, it's a really good point. I think it's just your thought that makes people not do it, right? The fear that maybe I won't be accepted or I won't, my, my value won't be visible to others or one of these things is not like the other and I won't fit in. And so I think it's the fear of all of that that forces us into this kind of conformist mindset. So, so it is, it's taking a little bit of risk being yourself uh, as well. But what I say to most people is that they find that once they are themselves and they start to receive some positive feedback for that and they start to be acknowledged for their unique contributions, that it actually is much more empowering. So I think getting past the fear, but I, I don't know if that fear is real or I don't know how real that fear is. And, and if you work in an organization that is so conformist that even the thought of, of bringing your full self to work is just beyond something you can do, you know, maybe you need to rethink uh, where you work. Uh, because I think that if we could work at organizations that want us because of the unique value we bring rather than because they want us to just fit in with everyone else who's there, um, we're going to be in a much better place to achieve incredible things. And it sounds like bringing yourself into your work in the way that you're describing is a gradual process. You shouldn't leave on a Friday and then return on Monday and be completely different and speaking four of your five languages and toys all over your office. It's a process. It, it is a process. And it's, it's, you know, it's like anything else. The, the more you, you do the self-reflection and personal branding, the more you learn. And it's a recursive process because you might learn something about your differentiators, which then informs uh, what you've already thought about with your values, right? And, and the, more, the more you become in touch with who you are, the, the more you're able to bring that to work. I, I think a lot of people, they go to the office, or for those of us who go to the office anymore, but or you go to work, right? And you kind of leave who you are behind and you be that work person for the day. And then you collect that at the end of the day and, and move on. And I think um, when you're being your authentic self all the time, you don't have to do that. You, you just live who you are every minute of every day. And um, uh, I, I, I find nothing more uh, empowering uh, and exciting than that. Of course, I'm partial because personal branding is my, my you know, everyday job, but it really is the difference between feeling okay about work and feeling really excited about work. What are markers of success? So you, you bring more of yourself into your work. How do you know it's having the impact you want it to, the, the positive impact you want it to? Well, it, I think you need to measure it from two different angles, right? So, so you need to, to, to look at it from the organization's perspective, right? Um, am I getting accolades and acknowledgement uh, around what I'm doing? Uh, is it impacting, you know, my, am I given better assignments? Am I, am I being given raises or opportunities for promotions or those kinds of things? So I think you need to look at the way the organization looks at what's valuable and how you're valued. And it, you also need to look at it from your own perspective. Um, are you, and, and you have to decide, everyone's going to come up with their own measure for, is this working for me, right? 
Um, am I excited to go to work on Monday morning? It's a really important question to ask yourself. Uh, am I feeling fulfilled? Am I you know, taking steps toward achieving my life purpose? Uh, so everyone's gonna come up with their own measures, right? There's, there's of course the, the work measures that you need to take a look at, right? Am I being successful here because of, of my willingness to be my full self? And then you need to decide how you're gonna measure what's important to you, right? At the end of a day, how do you want to evaluate if that was a really good day? Yeah, love that connection with you feel more fulfilled, therefore you feel happier, you feel uh, calmer, more confident. There, there's just an endless list of pluses that connect with reducing your stress and being healthier physically and, and mentally. So so love that. <laughs> and that's the main reason I wanted to have you come by today to, to talk about this. You've reminded me of something as well. Before I became super focused in my professional life on stress, I had the responsibility of educating people about alcohol and its potentially negative impacts. And I like drinking alcohol, but I never really liked the part about, oh, you know, here's what you have to watch out for and be careful of this and don't have more than this number of drinks, etc. But what you said before about how to bring yourself into your work, I remembered because I was interested in stress, I connected the two topics because, of course, a lot of people drink not only for pleasure, sometimes it's mixed in with because they want to feel more relaxed and want to feel more at ease uh, or they've had a really rough week and this is how they relax. So it was really easy to connect uh, the topic that I was really, really interested in talking about with the topic that, uh, you know, I wasn't so so interested in. And it made the alcohol topic more interesting. Yeah. Or even even just acknowledge the elements of them that you like the most. Maybe you give lots of presentations, right? But you actually, you don't really love being the person standing in front of the other people, but you love creating the slides in Keynote or PowerPoint, right? Um, focus on on that part and, and how, how much you enjoy that element. And then, you know, again, just as you say, then try to find ways to integrate the things that you do like with maybe the way you deliver those presentations so that you can make that part at least a little bit more palatable. I, I think if we, at the end of the day, acknowledge the things that we enjoy doing or the places where we felt we made the most impact or the accomplishments that we achieved, and we do that as a regular habit, um, it's number one, a reminder of what's important to us because we, we chose to acknowledge whatever those things are. And it's a great way of staying positive, right? Rather than at the end of a day thinking, oh, I had those two awful meetings today, or oh, I had to put up with that person who always really just violates my values. Uh, but if you focus on the things that you really did accomplish or the opportunities that you had to really contribute something that was unique and connected to who you are, um, and you do that as a regular habit, you're really you're going to remind yourself of how amazing you are, and uh, you're going to have this positive attitude and positive approach to what you do. 
William Aruda, thank you so much for coming by The Chill Factory. I, I love when we can combine work stuff, professional stuff, career stuff with feeling better about doing that because so many of us do it all the time, more than we should. So it's great to be able to enjoy it more and, of course, have it be less stressful. Thank you, Jordan. Be sure to check the episode notes for more about William and his work, including a really cool free tool called 360 Reach, where you can assess your current personal brand through the eyes of those who know you. Close your eyes and imagine walking through the front doors of a health club or gym. What would you see? I'm betting you'd say weights, mats, people doing yoga, stretching, aerobic machines, treadmills, bicycles, mirrors, personal trainers, and of course, lots of water bottles. Now, if they existed, what would you see in a mental health club or mind gym? These would be places that would help you stay mentally strong. They'd help you reduce your stress and anxiety. They would help you better deal with adversity and challenge. In other words, they would keep you resilient. If I were designing a mind gym, here is some of the equipment and activity that I would want to see when I walked in the front doors. Cooking, sunshine, walks, people, quiet, music, Gratitude, water, helping, kindness, poetry, meditation, books, naps, breakfast, flowers, pets, positivity, touch, trees, laughter, creativity, apps, games, hobbies, intimacy, learning, sports, day trips, color, cleaning, travel, fun, great conversations, art, compassion, deep breathing, support, sleep, and I could go on and on. But more importantly, what would you put in a mental health club? What do you have in your mental health club? Does it include some of what I just mentioned, or are there other things that help you feel mentally stronger and more resilient? You know, when you're really stressed out or anxious or you're having a bad day or a bad week or a bad month, it can be really hard to remember what equipment is in your mind gym to help you feel less stressed, to help you deal with the challenges of life. So making a list like this can make it easier and faster to deal with the stress at hand. And one of the great byproducts of making lists like this is it can help you feel more in control. And that's especially helpful if you have a lot of change or uncertainty or upheaval in your life. So get working on that list, and it's a great activity to do with others. And I'll see you at the Mind Gym. And of course, we have a really convenient place for you to make this list. It's in the Chill Factory app in the My Notes feature. It's just one of many ways the app helps you prevent and reduce stress. You can get it by going to the App Store or Google Play and downloading the Chill Factory and enter the password STRONGER when prompted. 
This will allow you to use all of the Chill Factory app's features for free for one year from the original post date of this episode. It's quitting time for this episode of The Chill Factory. I'm Jordan Friedman. Thanks so much for listening. We have more resources at thechillfactory.net, and you can leave a voice comment or question there. Just look for the blue tab on the right side of any site page. Be sure to subscribe or follow The Chill Factory so you'll know when new episodes are available. And if you liked something you heard on this or any episode, we'd love it if you rated or reviewed The Chill Factory wherever you get your podcasts. And as ancient Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu said, to the mind that is still, the whole universe surrenders.